when we remember the first advent, the first coming of our Lord, and look forward to the promised second advent, second coming of our Lord. The first one, when he came in all humility, meant for us victory over sin and death and the power to live changed lives. But sometimes that second promise starts to wane in our hearts. Or even we might get to the point where we start to lose hope. But in a sense, to lose hope is to call God a liar, to not trust the promise that he has made. Because he has fulfilled all of the other promises. So we can rest in the certainty that the promised second coming will happen. And the collect reminds us both of the past promise and the future promise yet to be fulfilled. It goes this way, Almighty God, grant us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now... In the time of our mortal life, in which your Son, Jesus Christ, came to visit us in great humility, that at the last day, when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead, we may rise to life immortal. You maybe heard in there that uh, the writer of the collect has taken some of this from Paul's letter to the Romans that was read earlier. Paul says to the Romans, the night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. The night is far gone, the day is near. Now there's a double meaning going on there because uh, for them as for us, night and darkness were associated with things that uh, were best kept secret. People went out at nighttime and did things that they wouldn't necessarily want to be known in the light of the day. But he's also talking about the day sometimes called the day of the Lord. It's the day when the Lord will return in his glorious majesty. So night and day, the contrast between darkness and light, but also talking about the day of the Lord. Now, sometimes for us, night uh, is not necessarily a time for rest. It can be a time for anxiety and fear. We lie down um, hoping to get some rest and some sleep, but what happens instead is that our minds go in different tangents. And sometimes for some people, it can be a time of anxiety, a time of fear. But when the dawn chorus sounds, uh, when we've had that sleepless night and we hear the birds singing, we know that it foretells the rising of the sun, that the sun will come up again. 
that we will not stay in night forever. We will not stay in the darkness forever. The sun is rising and with it bringing the warmth of day. And it expels some of that anxiety and the fear. What Paul is saying is that this whole world or the whole creation has been in nighttime. It's been in this time of sin and suffering and death and evil and darkness. But we've heard the dawn chorus. In fact, the light has dawned because Jesus is the day spring. Jesus is the beginning of the day. He is the bright morning star. He is the sun that rises. He is the warmth that brings life into our bodies. So those dark nights, and though although they continue, light has already dawned. And it will come in amazing, glorious splendor, in its fullness, dispelling all of the darkness when Jesus returns. But it is even yet coming into the world. It has come in when he came amongst us in all humility. He came to visit us in great humility. Therefore, Paul says, therefore, we must clothe ourselves with the armor of light, not to be drawn back into the darkness of night, but to live rather in the day of light. And so we're to put on the full armor of God, which uh, is found in Ephesians chapter 6. Paul says here, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There is a battle going on and we have been given all of the weapons that we need, a complete armory of weapons, both defensive and offensive. The Navy SEALs, when they prepare for a mission, check their kit a lot of times. They make sure that they have all of the items that they need for that mission. And they place them around their bodies so that in a nanosecond, they can have quick access to whatever it is they need for that mission so that they don't even have to think about it. They're already kitted. They're already equipped. They have all that they need, and it's in working order. And Paul says, we've been given the same. We have been given a full armor that will both protect us and allow us to fight back against any of the wiles of the enemy. 
says the first thing, gird yourself about with a belt of truth. That's a tightening up. Get ready. Be sure that you have the belt of truth. In an age where truth has become a dirty word, where it's more about I feel that we should do it this way. Well, if you feel that we should do it this way, but you feel that we should do it that way, where is the truth? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the truth. We gird ourselves. We put on the belt of truth, which is Jesus, his truth, his way. We put on the breastplate of righteousness. That would be useless if it was our righteousness, because our own righteousness is full of holes. But we don't. We put on the breastplate of the righteousness, which is Christ's righteousness, which is full, complete, and whole. There are no chinks in this armor. You put on the breastplate of Christ's righteousness. And you hold in your hand the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. A double-edged sword cuts through to the quick. It's a defensive and an offensive weapon. It is what we use to deter the enemy from coming in and from seeding discord or disharmony in our own minds or our relationships or lies because he is the father of lies. But the word of God is true. And so we are to know the word of God and it is the spirit, the sword of the spirit, living and true. We're to put on the shield of faith. Any of the darts of the enemy, they cannot come through the shield of faith. But it's not just our faith which might get weak at times. It's the faithfulness of God, which is strong and powerful. He is faithful to do that which he has said he will do, and he will do it. The shield of faith against any of the arrows of the enemy. So where the breastplate protects our heart, the helmet of salvation protects our minds. We have been rescued. We are being rescued. The world will finally be rescued on the day when the Lord returns. There is nothing that can change that. You have been rescued. Keep that as the helmet of salvation so that nothing can come into your mind that can start you wondering, am I good enough to be saved? Didn't I just mess up again? What if? How about? No. You have been rescued. It is a fact. Wear it on your head, over your mind, as security. The helmet of salvation And on your feet, 
sandals of the gospel of peace. Because the gospel is all about reconciliation. God became man to reconcile us to himself. He made that first step. The whole of the rescue is about reconciliation. It's about bringing us back into the presence of God. But it's not just about that reconciliation. We're to be ministers of reconciliation. We are to be ministering God's peace to each other, in our families, in our church family, out into the world. That's the gospel of peace that is on our feet to take us out into the world. That's the armor of light. Do you put it on every day? Go to Ephesians 6 every morning. Put on the armor of God and nothing that the enemy sends your way will be able to get through that armor. Put on the full armor of God, says Paul, so that when the day of evil comes, not if, but when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand, not to fall, but to stand. So if dawn has come, if light has come, we are to be people of the light, putting on the full armor of God, the armor of light, clothing ourselves in Christ. Christ is in us through our baptism, but our wills are involved. We must act out that which we already have to make it our own, to take off the dirty rags, the rags of sin and error, and to put on the bright white raiment of Christ. Every morning, clothe yourself in Christ. Look in the mirror and see the raiment of Christ on you. Not of your own doing, but of his, a gift freely given the full white raiment of Christ. And if you want to know what it looks like to put on Christ, to put on the person and the character of Christ, spend time in the Gospels. Get to know this Jesus. Get to know his tenderness. Get to know his compassion. Get to know his love. And then be Christ into the world. We are to envelop ourselves with Jesus in such a way that he directs all our thinking and conduct. Because the night is far gone and the day is near. The day when Christ will return to usher in a new heaven earth a final age of sinlessness and salvation now than it was the day we first believed. That's the fullness of the rescue of the whole world. But we don't know when that day is going to be. About that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. So if you hear rumblings, if you hear somebody has calculated that day out, um, 
just run away and laugh at them? Not the sun knows. Not the angel knows. So if you've been reading the Left Behind series, put them away. They've actually got it round the wrong way. Because Jesus is returning to his good creation to make it new. Not to take us out of it, but for him to return to it. For him to come again to the creation. So that he makes a new heaven earth. So that they're not separated anymore by the veil. Because heaven, after all, is what? Heaven is where God is. It's where God's reign is. It's where God can be and is. And we can't be there right now because of the sinfulness in us. But we've been made new in Christ. But on that day, Christ returns. Two will be found in the field. One will remain to be with Christ when he returns and the other will be taken and we don't know where. But he will come. To make all things new. It is a sure promise. Paul lived in dangerous, turbulent, troublesome times. The early Christians did too. They didn't know when they were going to lose their lives for Christ. And yet they lived a joy-filled life. A life full of light. So that others said, who are they? that in the darkness live in such light and joy. We are called to be the same people. We are called to stay awake, for the promise is sure. Christ came as God had promised as a baby in a manger to grow up and to die for us and to rise again into new life. He has promised that he will return as a conquering king with myriad army of angels and he will put all things to right. So if Christ were to return tomorrow, how would he expect to find us? How would he expect to find you? How would he expect to find Me, how would we want to be found by him? Would he find us ready? Sleepers, wake. The Lord is coming at an hour and a day we do not know. But when he comes, all things will be put to right. Would he find us awake? So let us pray the collect. Almighty God, grant us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light now in the time of this mortal life in which your son Jesus Christ came to visit us in great humility that at the last day when he shall come again in glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead we may rise to life immortal through him who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.